Hey everyone, welcome back to the State of Demand Gen podcast. This is your host, Chris Walker, and today I am thrilled to have on the show Dave Rigotti, the CEO of Inflection.io. And I just want to let everybody know that this is the, on Dave's profile, it still says stealth mode to sell startups, but today is the first day we are going to announce it's Inflection.io. I don't even know if there's a website up right now, but if there is, you can go and check that out. Dave, great to have you on the show. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, you, you never knew uh, you'd be breaking some news on the podcast. So excited <laughs> to be here. Excited to chat. Yeah, we'll get you uh, a little introductory organic traffic. We like that right. stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, cool, man. So uh, so we we initially brought you on to talk about Product Lab, which we're definitely going to get into. Yeah. But I think uh, there's some interesting stuff in your background that I think would be interesting to the mm-hmm. listeners. So perhaps maybe for a couple minutes, just for people that don't know you, give them a sense about your background and where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Cool. Yeah. Happy to do that. So um, yeah, Dave Rigotti, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, 2000 people kind of got my start on the internet, like turn of the century and just had like a, a lot of fun kind of learning and growing and doing SEO and all this stuff is like SEO and the paid search stuff is just things you can't do today. Like it, definitely you wouldn't be able to do that with Google, the kind of stuff you could do like 20 some years ago. And so that was kind of my start. I um, found my way at, at Microsoft from an internship and then worked there for for five years or so after college. Always knew like a startup was where my heart's at. Um, I studied entrepreneurship in school. And so I wanted to, to work my way there. And so after five years at Microsoft, I went to join Visible, which at the time was, um, I think I was employee like six, seven or eight, like something around there as the, the first full-time marketer. And so over, gosh, I guess five or six years, we grew the team from, from six or so employees to 120 to you know, exit to Marketo. So then I worked at Marketo for a couple of years. And then of course, like we exited Marketo into Adobe. And so it was a, a pretty wild kind of time. You've just been riding the wave of acquisitions. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> I went from like a 120 person company to a 25,000 person company in, in less than a year. So it was a wild ride and kind of spent some time uh, at Marketo running ABM and Enterprise Demand Gen. And, and now I'm off on my, my own adventure with some great co-founders um, leading Inflection.io. Great. Great place to get started. So yeah, um, you did spend a you spent a lot of time running like enterprise demand ABM. I you know sort yeah. of the same thing in my view. Um, yeah. yeah, and so uh, with that, I think a good place to get started is because we hear from a lot of the listeners about maybe their ABM programs aren't doing what they thought they were going to do, and so maybe sure. you can maybe based on your experience, you can talk through a couple of the common you know missteps or mistakes that people make when when building one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely have to do that. I think um, the number one learning that I have in doing ABM is that the list matters just so much. The process of building a list, the getting to a high quality list of accounts that you want to go after is that like actually, in my view, the most important activity you can go do. It always seems like it's the easiest. And a lot of companies will just start with like, you know, what are the whales that CEO wants to have on the website or something like that. And kind of not put much intelligence or thought behind it. But what I always tell startups and like and in doing our own ABM is the list is is the ceiling. We can't do we can't do better. Like 
Like that is the ceiling at which we can operate. So it's just spending so much more time there than you think is really important because again, like you just can't, the list can't just like magically get better. Mm-hmm. And so um, the kind of biggest missteps that I've seen with ABM is companies just way under invest in, in making and from like a time and even like a budget perspective in building the list to go after mm-hmm. of like realistic accounts that you could actually get that are like worthwhile your time and way over invest in like, what's the campaign. Um, yeah, or the I like really, yeah, exactly. I rarely see the, like some of the parts equal something more than just the parts. So mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of marketers kind of like overemphasize, you know, the message or the, the orchestration across all of the channels or how's it going to look and just like not nearly enough time. And okay, who are we going to call today? And that's just a, a way better kind of ROI from, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I echo the things that I see on the list for sure. See that, see that <laughs> a lot. And yeah. to be honest, I see, um, I see a lot of companies where this breaks down in execution, right? You were talking about people over indexing on like the campaign or the execution, yeah. but I actually see, I think a good place for people to start. And what I recommend is like, if you have a large TAM segment, like build a demand engine first, right? Like figure out how to be able to create content that people want, figure out how to target people when you have more scale, make sure that it works. And then you have those processes and then go get your 50. But what people do is they go get the 50. They have no validation that their strategy actually resonates with people. And they get stuck kind of doing mainly outbound sales with some air cover. And that's in quotes for people listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. It's exactly right. I've never seen a company only do ABM. I've come across companies that they only go after the fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. So they have like 500 potential like customers, max TAM. And even then they still have a heavy mix of ABM and demand gen to just kind of keep the flywheel moving and just use as, as quick feedback, uh, kind of for marketing. And then mm-hmm. like the other thing here is, is BDRs. Like if you're not already thinking about how to make your BDRs more efficient, and that's not a, a primary goal of ABM or, or of your marketing, your ABM might not really work. Um, mm-hmm. your, your BDRs and your SDRs or whatever you end up calling them kind of really need to be the center of this campaign. It's, it's to support them at the end of the day. And um, that's why the list matters so much. BDR enablement matters so much. It's, it's way more about supporting BDRs than like the marketing almost. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I see is I see um, companies kind of jumping on the ABM wave when their deal size doesn't necessarily justify even doing yeah. that. And so what do you think yeah. is the the like bottom end minimum <laughs> contract value on an annual basis that you want to have in order to like sort of really do one to few or one to one? Yeah. Yeah, it, it ABM's hard. So it's a big investment from a, a time and, and cost perspective. So you're right. There is a a floor at which it kind of no longer works. From what I've seen, if you're and most of my perspectives are like tech companies. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll speak in like annual contract value kind of terms. This might be different for other industries, but mm-hmm. at least from a tech company perspective, below eighteen thousand dollars a year as a as an ACV or 1500 a month it, it really 
doesn't work. It's just it's very hard to kind of make it work. You can't even make even, a BDR model work like as that's right. it's close to that. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's actually like not even EBM. It's just like, can your BDRs be successful? That's like the absolute kind of right way to think about it. Mm-hmm. And whatever's true for BDRs, that it's it's the same answer for for EBM. And so like at 24,000, it starts to make sense. Like 36,000, it really kind of starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. But then um, it's still like a hybrid demand and ABM model. And then once your deal sizes are over a hundred thousand, you start to change from being a hybrid to more ABM led, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And when maybe just for people, we could get aligned on, on definitions of ABM. So maybe I'll ask you a couple of questions. You can say whether it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if if you're using company firmographics to target companies that are more than 200 employees inside of a specific persona, is that ABM? No, it's demand, right? Yeah, yeah, it's demand. Yeah, yep. so it's, you can consider- very near ABM, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not ABM. Yeah, yeah and so it, it's also sort of dependent on on the TAM, right? Like at eighteen k ACV, if you have a TAM of five hundred thousand accounts, like it also doesn't make sense to run ABM, just run demand. You know what I mean? So that's right. Yeah, you're gonna get way better ROI with with demand. So just yeah, go, yeah. Go do that for sure. Awesome, cool. So now let's uh. Let's make a little transition because I'm interested in this one. Some of the cool. things that I'm seeing in the market, um, yeah. which are interesting for product load, it's it is very different. If you start from the ground up and you're like, oh, we sell a seven dollar per user per month, we're going to go product load because we can't can't facilitate an enterprise sales team straight away. Versus a company that's a hundred million ARR and sells fifty k deals that has a hundred salespeople between AEs and SDRs, and is now like, now we need to think about a product led offering to get more people into the product to make it more smooth. And so we interact with a lot of companies in that, in that bucket. Now, what do you think those companies need to consider? Because it's a completely different change. And there's a lot of, right. there's a lot of downstream impact on the rest of the organization by making that go. That's a major go-to-market model change. Yeah, that's right. Switching from a, a, a sales led motion and I, I've even seen a lot of product-led motions be still hybrid, yeah. very, very sales-led. Mm-hmm. I'll, maybe I'll call it like the request a demo motion versus like a, a product-led kind of sign-up motion. Yeah, um, Very, very different. The biggest thing that I've seen in conversations with product-led companies is the alignment that needs to happen with the product organization. In so many companies, product and marketing kind of don't really need to be aligned. You know, they're aligned maybe on a, you know, what's our new products coming out that we need to develop some graphics for or make some messaging for, or we need to announce. So it's kind of like a, a marketing and product would be aligned mostly just like around releases. Mm-hmm. Um, that can't be true at a, at a product led company. Um, marketing and product need to be like truly aligned because you're going to have to work together on things like, instrumenting the product so that marketing can understand what's happening in the product and kind of taking action on that data. Um, marketing and product need to be aligned on what messages we're showing in the product through in-app alerts versus, you know, what we're doing in email. Marketing and, and product need to be aligned on what is really working well in marketing and what should we we go kind of change in the product to make it even, even better. Um, so marketing influencing the product, which wouldn't happen in a kind of a request a demo sort mm-hmm. of sort of way. And so there's a lot of alignment that needs to happen. Um, you need to have a really good relationship between kind of marketing and product. Mm-hmm. That's been the, the biggest one. Um, 
along with that comes, I, I don't know if, if tech is the right word, but, but data. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different data that a marketing team needs to get good at. Um, you need to start thinking about being really good at BI reporting, um, operating off of a data warehouse, mm-hmm. and um, understanding user cohorts and things that are just kind of foreign to to most kind of SaaS marketers mm-hmm. in a in a request and demo environment. So there's definitely some skills that kind of come along with it too. But you know, alignment is the by far the kind of biggest thing there. Yeah, and then when a company like that, like the hundred million ARR SaaS, that's going to introduce a product led offering or at least an option, what they're going to yeah. eventually need to do is they're going to have to take that get a demo button, and what they'll normally do is they'll just put a get a free trial next to it. They won't get rid of the get a demo. That's right, which is common. Yeah. But when you put those two buttons together, guess what's going to happen, people? Ninety five percent about are going to click on the get a free trial, not right. get a demo. And then in 30 days, your sales team is going to be like, where is all our pipeline from marketing? (laughs) And so that is the risk. And you are going to need to take that hit in order for this to happen. It's going to stall your pipeline for a a decent amount of time. And that is the the number one thing where I've seen companies launch it and pull back because they need the pipeline now. So what do you think people should do about that? Yeah, you're you're right. There's um, the how sales is supported is it gets different so you know in that model like in that example you you, you launch this kind of free trial offering you're getting I mean, thousands of signups a day sometimes tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of signups a day on your product sales needs to know who to who to go after like it's it's the same kind of challenge you have in a, a traditional SaaS model of mm-hmm. you know who's what are my best leads to go after but now you've you've a thousand x the amount of leads, so it's even more difficult to kind of think about who you should follow up on. Mm-hmm. And so this is where, like, if you're not buttoned up in kind of processes before you launch, you're gonna have problems, like you just said, where you start to sell out. You have you start to think about, oh wow, this is this is too much demand. How do I know if everyone's just a single user? Which person should I go after? And so, what I've seen a lot is companies will start to use, they'll start to get thir- rely on third party data a lot more for prioritization and say like pulling the firmographics mm-hmm. into like a kind of a, a user view. And so sales starts to understand um, account TAM basically mm-hmm. um, what's the potential of this account, what's the level, but even companies that are very, the most viral product led companies that you know, they have strong ABM teams. They have strong enterprise sellers, enterprise marketing, and their biggest deals are, in some cases, don't even try the product. It's still very like what you would expect on a request a demo process. And they're just going to a lot of times like an IT decision maker, either locking things down or a lot of times like big companies can't even evaluate. They can't install like, you know, you can't install something in your Slack org. It's locked down. So you have to go a, a traditional route and you really can't be product led in some, kind of some cases. So mm-hmm. most companies, even if they're very product led, still have ABM being a core part of their growth. Mm-hmm. And when the when that quote unquote ABM or enterprise sales motion happens, do you typically find that it's an outbound motion or is it more so cherry picking the the free trial users right. based on firmographics? Yeah, I um I've seen both in the conversations that I've had. It sort of depends on the application. You know, installing if you're an app that is on a on a platform that you need to have kind of certain permissions for like a, like Slack apps are like a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big companies will have that locked down. Like you, you, you don't have any users from that account because 
they can't. They can't use it. They don't have the right permission levels. And so in that case, this is just like a pure kind of cold sale. It just yeah. if it's not that different. And then for like web apps, um, you have a mix. Uh, some accounts you'll have where they're they're cold and they're doing an RFP and you're kind of in an RFP process. And sometimes you're you're expanding the TAM on a, on existing users because they can they can sign up. I think that's like one of the kind of big differences, though. Just to reiterate a point here, a lot of product led funnel is post purchase. It's about expansions. It's either like a seat expansion, usage mm-hmm. expansion, or product expansion. Whereas 95% of the marketing on a request a demo is just to get that demo. Mm-hmm. And maybe 5% of your budget would be spent on what would be known as like expansion. customer marketing or expansion marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I use this statement a lot and I want you to tell me whether or not you think that it's <laughs> true or true or false. Okay. The statement, <laughs> okay. Is, the statement is product-led growth actually means marketing and product-led growth because you need something to get people to your website and into the product. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. Um, Being product-led isn't a replacement for salespeople or marketing. Mm -hmm. If you're a CEO and you're you're like, I don't like working with sales, so I'm going to be product-led, you're going to fail. Um, I I have yet to meet a product-led company that's more than 30 employees and doesn't have sales. And so it's just not, it's not a replacement for sales. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's the offer. Like instead of saying download this ebook or this white paper or join my webinar, it's, it's sign up for the product. Mm-hmm. And so the, the offer has changed, but you know, you still have to do marketing. In fact, like your marketing budgets maybe even become more important in these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're doing less outbound um, generally. And so you need to drive kind of more inbound. And typically that comes from, from marketing. Yeah, I see. Uh, that's what I see from uh, companies that we work with that typically are either like looking up to or work with OpenView with massive monthly marketing budgets to jam people yeah. into free trials. Like that's pretty much what it is. Hundreds, yeah. high hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars a month to <laughs> shove people into a free trial with poor conversion rates is what I see like quite a bit. Um, right. Is that something that happens? Better conversion. Yeah, better conversion rates than content downloads, but still, like it, there's a conversion rate. There's a conversion rate for sure. <laughs> yeah, and when you move it to CAC for a two thousand dollar ACV product led offering, it just doesn't make sense. But they're yeah. going like for companies that are working with OpenView. I'm not. I don't know anybody at OpenView, so I'm speculating here. But they're going for a land grab. You know what I mean? They're trying to spend money to race to market to to grow the user base to get the organic engine through word of mouth to happen after that. And they're they're willing to be very inefficient while they do it. So I understand the model, yeah. but it it is terribly inefficient. Yeah, I forget who told me this a couple of months ago. They thought of of product led as as being proof led marketing, which I really liked. Um, there's mm. been almost every SaaS product I bought through a salesperson. There was something about it that the salesperson said it would do that it it didn't do, and you just don't know what all those things are until you actually start using it. So I think one thing that I really like about being product led is you can actually get in, you can try the product and there's nothing to kind of hide behind as a, as a company. And so if you're going to be product led, like make sure you have a good product. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of, I, I believe it's got to come in as a response of just like, like the fact that we're moving to a place where for a lot of products, like 
the 50k receiver product for the person that listens is listening to this as a CMO, like yeah, perhaps people don't need a, your sales rep to buy the product. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. So, Some people just want to buy and you're just adding friction to the deal. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that friction is what you need, but for some it's, it's absolutely just friction and hurting, hurting revenue. Yeah. Right. What do you think are some of the biggest like challenges for companies that are, let's go in the bucket, which is probably more for the listeners that are, that are mm. currently sales led and thinking about transitioning. What are some expected challenges that they might not see right now for them? For the marketer. Um, or for the, at the company at large, we got marketing salespeople mainly listen to this, but like yeah. I'm a marketer, I think about things at the business level. So at the business level is good, but not necessarily super deep into like product stuff. Yeah. I think, um, you need to have some, some conviction about what you're doing. And so if, if it's, a it's going to require product change, it's going to require like, you, you know, your product team and your engineering team, you need to build features to support our product led kind of movement. Like if people can't put in their credit card or they can't kind of self onboard or off board or, or use the product, then it's, it's not a good motion. Um, you need to have those things. And so it's a heavy, it's a heavy lift in the beginning. Um, and you need to have conviction about that that's the right thing for your company. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't, you're going to get started and you're going to have like as you were kind of saying before just terrible conversion rates yeah and you're going to have to like jump in on all these deals kind of post like their sign up um, when they didn't have, have a good experience they yeah. didn't have a good experience they have different perceptions about the product now and you're kind of like you're you're just calling back mm-hmm. uh, versus setting the right expectations up front so and executive so, buy-in that's from kind of thing. from both the the ceo all the way up to the ceo and the board is what i'm kind of hearing here yeah and and engineering and and product, it it, mm-hmm. it needs to be like a CEO down kind of initiative. Yeah. Everyone's going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Got it. Anything specific to marketing? Um, I think uh, I think for a lot of marketers, um, I've seen a lot of marketers shift between traditional kind of SaaS model and product led and back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. When I was at Adobe, I was running ABM for Marketo. I was also supporting. Magento, which has a little bit of a different motion. It's similar to PLG. It's an open source product. You're trying to convert an open source product to the paid usage. I think good marketers can kind of switch between. Mm-hmm. Um, the data is a little different though. Like you're not reporting on a content consumption funnel. You need to make sure you understand you have a product funnel now and what's the conversion mm-hmm. rates between the stages of the product and just how that's, that's a little bit different than, Hey, they've, they've now MQL, but doesn't really exist in a product led kind of motion. So mm-hmm. I think making sure you just understand what your funnel is and, and have that instrumented upfront is going to be important. Otherwise you're just not going to have that feedback kind of into your marketing. Yeah. And traditionally for a product led offering, the overall marketing mix will be far more transactional than a like enterprise motion with complex deal cycles and multiple stakeholders potentially. And so like a lot of, um, I would see the execution of a, you know, let's just say hundred dollar a month product led offering to be quite similar to trying to sell direct response, like a, like a pair of shoes on yeah. Instagram or different things like that. And what I see a lot with enterprise demand or ABM motions is they try and take both of those models. Like, Hey, I'm trying to get mm-hmm. you to buy this pair of shoes 
And then they're going to say, hey, I'm going to use the exact same marketing tactic to try and get you to buy our $200,000 a year enterprise software. And obviously that fails, but a lot of right. people still do it that way. Yeah, you need to be a really good performance marketer um, mm-hmm. and like, and be really good at, at brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like in, in a request a demo world, you needed to be a, a good performance marketer and, and I'll include like BDR enablement, supporting mm-hmm. BDRs as part of that. Um, your brand didn't need to be great. You can have it like a, a fine brand and, and, and make the economics work for an outbound model, mm-hmm. uh, for, for product led. Um, it's a lot harder, um, when it's a lot easier for people to go try the five competitors in the space and. Um, kind of pick the one that they want to go with. And so, mm-hmm. and, and I'll include like experience in brand too. It's not just like, you know, what your logo looks like, but what's your, the brand of your product and the experience within your product. Like these are, it matters a lot And thinking that way is sometimes kind of newer for, for marketers mm-hmm. B2B anyways. Cool. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know what's coming. If you haven't, then it'll be a surprise and that's cool. Too. <laughs> so. Uh, now at this point, we pass it over to you. If you got a couple questions you want to throw over to me, I'd be happy to uh, jam on whatever topics you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to ask you about shifting from traditional SaaS to product led, and mm-hmm. and what are what are you seeing um, of the clients you're working with? How many are making that shift? Kind of what questions are they having? Like what are they kind of getting tripped up on? And just kind of how you think about this space. And it's it's definitely a, a noisy. I hear being product led a lot mm-hmm. and I'm always curious from kind of folks on the ground, you know, what you're seeing and is it a, is it something that a lot of companies are exploring or, or just kind of the new ones that are starting out? Yeah. And this goes for, I, I interact with a lot of companies that are not our customer. And so I can kind of speak in the general sure. market, but I, I would, I think that there's five, 10% that are taking it seriously and moving the needle I think there's another 15 to 25% that have it on their, you know, one to two year plan. And then you have the rest of the companies that are not necessarily considering it at all. So those are, that's sort of like how I would, how I would see it, at least from the visibility that I have, which is albeit limited. And I think that some of the challenges that companies run into, I mentioned them, a a couple of them right now is that it actually is a very major go-to-market model change. And without like a lot of consideration to the impacts that it has to other parts of your organization, there can be some some real challenges there. Um, so that's that's one. The second one is that I think that it requires a different marketing model and potentially a different marketing skill set than some companies have. Um, right. So you know you're not you're not going to be building a trade show booth necessarily right like you're not going to get all of your pipeline from events you don't ha- there's not enough volume <laughs> to do that there's not a good there's not a payback that's going to work for for a lot of these uh, product-led companies and so when uh, a lot of the enterprise companies that we either we work with or we know of spend most of their money i know it didn't happen last year it might not happen this year either but historically spend a dramatic amount of their programs budget on events and like that type of mix does not fly in a product-led type of offering so that's potentially another another type of thing is that you might need to sh- shift up your talent. And then lastly, if you're thinking about transitioning between um, sales-led moving to product-led or some type of hybrid, you might need to reevaluate what you have on the sales side 
You might have too much yeah. headcount. You might not have the wrong <clears throat> mix between um, SDRs and AEs. You might, you know, you might need not need your solutions consult as many solutions consultants or sales engineers as you did before. And so, some of those considerations, I think, are afterthoughts, and they really need to be thought about in advance of what they're doing. Yeah, pr- pricing too. Like pricing mm. is a huge, huge part of being kind of simple pricing. You're exactly right. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's based on usage and consumption and value. Like you need to get that right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're exactly right. The kind of alignment piece there, and and having pricing that works for both the sales led motion and a consumption led motion is difficult. Like that's a, a lot of work. And you're yeah, you're exactly right. Like marketing needs to be ready for that. If product marketing is kind of owning that that pricing conversation and and having perspectives on what the pricing should be. Mm-hmm. What do you think about, uh, I'm going to take over for a minute and then we'll pass it back to you. Um, what do you think about the, um, I mean, you know, I'm not on Marketo's website, but I imagine that Marketo doesn't publish their pricing. Like, what do you think about enterprise that sells through an enterprise motion, maybe, you know, 50 plus K deals that don't publish pricing? What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was at Marketo, pricing wasn't, wasn't published. You go and you look at Salesforce's pricing and you you download it it's like a pdf you can download and it's like it's like six pages of all yeah, know, it makes like me want to throw up. And yeah <laughs> I, honestly like i even even though it's published i actually can't can't follow it I, i'm not a big fan of like not publishing pricing especially if mm-hmm. you have like lower lower prices mm-hmm. uh and i don't mean like relative to your customers i just mean like you know your product is is less than a thousand a month or a couple thousand a month like yeah. you should have something that you're you're publishing kind of prices on. Um, I think it just kind of comes back to like friction. Mm. Um, I, I've certainly like have gone and signed up for apps for a couple hundred of bucks a month because they published pricing and their competitors did it. And I was like, great, I can just sign up, give a credit card and start using it. It's about time. And not to, yeah. Time is really valuable. Yeah. A bunch of, bunch of conversations with their competitors. I'll be honest. I don't even know if I picked the right vendor, but I, I picked one and I'm moving forward in, mm-hmm. in a startup kind of speed and momentum is, is everything. And so I got what I wanted there. And, mm-hmm. um, That's not the first so, time someone's mentioned this on the podcast from a, you know, executive of a company or former executive or any of those things, yeah. like speed and time to decision because buying software as an executive is a time suck. It's a time waster. And so, however, I can, I know personally, and I've asked this before on the podcast, but I know personally that I bought products that were my second or third choice in a category because the buying experience was easier. And so I think a lot of people should consider that because, you know, if somebody's filling out your demo form for all of the sales led companies in here, and they're not getting a demo until the third call, you're losing a lot of deals because of that. And I know there's a lot of companies still doing that stuff. Yeah. Or you didn't even publish a demo. Like. You mm-hmm. at least have a demo where you can somebody can go learn for a half hour what it looks like and for a webinar they can get the recording of like mm-hmm. these are just kind of artificial barriers that just end up coming back to content consumption. It's about content consumption to see who's like, you know, you're putting Engaged. barriers to see like exactly you're putting like artificial barriers, barriers that you can measure so that you can do outbound sales yeah, like it's exactly. 2010. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. We got time for uh one or two more questions if you got on yeah. fire a couple others. Yeah, I, I'm curious with, with what you've seen. So we, we you know we talked about for doing ABM, there's there's certain kind of gates. Like I know if your deal size is 60k a year, that it works, that ABM can work great. 
I'm curious what you've seen, and we've kind of talked about the balance between ABM and demand gen. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you've seen on, on that kind of similar concept with, with product-led. At what point you know, do, you, do you think you can be a, a product-led motion, and when do you start being more of a, like a demand or ABM-led motion? And is it the same? Like, is it you know, the same kind of thing, like under a certain value, you can be product led or have you seen other kind of other aspects to, you know, what a company should think about when they're being PL- PLG? Yeah. I'm going to answer this in a different way. And then perhaps you can, you can cool. kind of move me in a direction, but what I'm yeah. looking at, cause what I, what I see right now is I see companies that are selling three K ACV deals with a predictable revenue SDR AE model, which is a recipe right. for ridiculous customer acquisition yeah. cost in a business that doesn't work. Right. Right. And so what I look at it is under 4k, you need to be 100% no touch. That's what I, that's the way yeah. that I see it because you're not going to be able to get the lead and close the deal and pay the commissions on the rep and all that different stuff for less than 4k. So no touch at 4k or below. And I think 20k and below, you need to go full cycle. So from four to 20k, it's got to be full cycle rep. If you wanted to do sales led or some type of hybrid, and then yeah. 20k and above, if you wanted to, you could go, you know, predictable revenue SDR a motion. However, I think a lot, I think we'll see a lot more uh, smart companies that are starting up right now, not not necessarily ones that have existing infrastructure, but ones that are starting up move back to full cycle. Cool. Yeah, that's what I've seen a lot too. With it, with a a caveat on kind of pure consumption based or usage based companies, like AWS being like a fantastic example. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you can be a million dollar deal for AWS and it's, it's a developer signing up, like you're, yeah. you're product led, but you can, you can kind of almost like infinitely scale the, the kind of value and the cost. Mm-hmm. One, um, one thing that's come up in a lot of the conversations I've had is who owns in product, you know, um, mm-hmm. so you're with being product led, you have a new, you have a new marketing channel, you know, you have your ad networks, you have your, uh, you have email, you have your website, like these are channels that marketing has traditionally owned. You now have your product. So you can send like a basic example in product alerts. Mm-hmm. Like, who should new, own new feature, extra 20 yeah, bucks a exactly. month or whatever. Yeah. New feature, join the user conference, uh, invite a coworker even like mm-hmm. you, it, it, it goes beyond just marketing messages. It starts to get into like retention messages almost. And I'm curious mm-hmm. We should own that marketing product. Yeah, honest, honestly, else. not not something I see a lot. So I'll be spitballing here. It might yeah. not be accurate, but it's just it's not something I see a lot because we mainly work on sales led. We yeah. do have some product led companies, but it's mainly sales led. So, um, you know, what I've seen before when I interact with people is that marketing is yeah. going to get to the free marketing's responsible to get to the free trial. Yeah. Growth is responsible from free trial to paid, and then like customer marketing or something like that would actually be in product or growth. Like that's just like logical what it would make sense. But the problem is it's the exact same. You're going to have the exact same silos that you do when you have marketing and sales misalignment between marketing and growth when you do (laughs) that motion, because marketing is just going to drive a bunch of shit into the free trial form. It's going to crush conversion rates and it's going to impact the growth team. And so it's like, it's the, almost the exact same thing when you have these divided lines without alignment across the overall outcome. And that's what I interact with that a lot. Right. You have the answer that I was hoping you would have, which is you, you brought up the growth team. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes what I've seen, this is a team, it, exactly those kind of ownership 
lines. Sometimes growth, growth is in marketing and marketing owns the entire life cycle. Sometimes growth is under product and product takes it over after kind of free trial. Sometimes it's, I've seen like sales rolling up into product. And I, I think this is like a, a sort of wild west right now for how you establish your, your product led setup. Uh, I know mm-hmm. like if we had, if I had a request a demo kind of motion, I know exactly what my tactics are based on my ACV. I know that serious decisions demand waterfall is great. I can just implement that. I can tweak it to make it work. But for the most part, there's like a very established playbook for how to go, go to market. Um, and then for product led, like everything from, you know, what data should be in a data warehouse to who should own what, what teams, what should be the structure? Like, mm-hmm. do we need a CRO? Can we just have a head of sales and have them report into product? Yeah. Um, these are like, everything is back on the table. Um, even if it's kind of been like an established uh, or accepted thing for the last like 10, 15 years is mm-hmm. kind of a request a demo motion. And so, which is fun I, to be honest, I, think like I, exactly right. I, yeah. I tell a lot of companies and ones that are 50 million ARR, which is the statement is if you started your company today and you didn't yeah. have all of the existing constraints <laughs> that you've built over the last seven years, building your company, what would you do differently? And the list is very long. <laughs> the challenge is that all of the constraints that now exist prevent them from doing anything differently. So you eventually start to get stuck without dramatically like impacting the current system that you have. Headcount changes, massive budget changes, potentially losing a little bit of pipeline this month. Like people right. don't like to take a step backwards in order to take three steps forwards. Right. Yeah, it's it's a rare opportunity for people at all levels of the company to step up, have opinions and kind of own mm-hmm. something. Um, be creative and be innovative. Exactly right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an opportunity to do something different and kind of exactly right. Throw those, you know, the concepts that you have today just kind of off the window and just say start start from just a what should it be? Like what do we think mm-hmm. is the right thing for our company? What do we think is the right thing for the kind of people that we have, the skills that we have, and then go do that. Mm-hmm. Love that. That sounds like an awesome place to end. Yeah. Um, so, so Dave have really appreciated you being on the show. Some great insights. We don't get enough about the product led in here. So for any companies that are thinking about it or they're currently doing it, we're trying to help you out here on the state of demand Gen <laughs> podcast. Um, and so I really hope you enjoyed the episode and, um, great to see you, Dave. Thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Hmm.